Well, good morning. I want to welcome everyone to Orchard Church this morning. also want to welcome those who will be watching us online. Take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to the Gospel of John in your New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 6, verse 28 is where we'll jump in in a few moments. We are in week three of our series called Reasonable Doubts, questions we sometimes have about God and our faith. As you're finding your way in your Bibles this morning, I also want to point out that when you came in today, you received a newsletter on your chair, and inside that newsletter is a survey. Uh, we're taking a survey about Saturday evening services. During the month of April, uh, we've been having Saturday evening services as a trial basis to see what the response is. The response has been incredible. And so we are planning to add on a regular basis Saturday services here at Orchard Church in the fall, right after Labor Day during football season. Yeah, hey, we can celebrate that. We're doing this because we want to help more people find and follow Jesus and free up seats on Sunday. And so even if you've been coming on Sunday, we highly want you to begin to pray and consider now going to Saturday night service because predominantly the people that come uh, first time to Orchard Church, new guests, unchurched people, de-churched people come to Sunday service and most of them come to guess which service? This service, so especially my 10 o'clock crowd, if you can start praying about moving to Saturday night in the fall, um, that would be a way to live on mission and help people find and follow Jesus. So we're asking you to take this survey about Saturday service, so if you'll fill that out at some point uh, during our service, uh, drop that in the offering bucket, that will really help us prepare, because not only are we planning to add one Saturday service, we actually are considering adding two Saturday services, so that those that serve can serve one, sit one, and we can keep that going as well. Uh, You only need to fill out one for your family, We don't need one for each individual, uh, but that'll really help us out today. But it's exciting times, uh, what God is doing here at Orchard Church uh, to help people find and follow Jesus. So thank you for helping us with that as well. As we are in our third week of Reasonable Doubts today, uh, we've been looking at some questions that we all have at times about our faith and about God. These are reasonable questions. The first week we looked at a big one. We asked the question, uh, why does God allow bad things to happen? Last week we asked the question, why doesn't God always answer my prayers? It doesn't seem like he's listening. Uh, Today we're asking another question that we've all probably at times asked in our life. Maybe some of you are even asking this question right now. And the question is this, where is God? You know, why am I not feeling God's presence in my life right now? I mean, I did in the past, but I'm not now. And let me ask this by a show of hands. How many of you would say you felt God's presence at some point in your life? Would you raise your hand? You felt God's presence? Awesome, you could put them down. Let me ask this, how many of you would say you've already felt God's presence today in our service today? Would you raise your hand? Awesome. And now here's the question. If you haven't felt God's presence today or in the past, why not? Whose fault is it? Is it it our fault that we're not feeling God's presence? We're not connecting with God in the right way? Is it God's fault? Is it like God said, well, I'm going to reveal my presence to about 80% of the people at Orchard Church today, but 20% I'm not going to do. I don't like the way that guy did his hair today, and so I'm not going to reveal my presence to him. Is is he God pick and choose? Um, Maybe it's the worship team's fault. We didn't like maybe the songs that they chose or the way that they, they sang them. What If we're not experiencing God's presence, why are we not experiencing God's presence? And then here's another question when it comes to feeling the presence of God. How do we know? How do we know if we're really feeling the presence of God or not? I mean, if we get tingly and have goosebumps, is that the presence of God? If we cry and we shed tears, is that evidence of the presence of God? If we feel a warm uh, sensation come over our body, is that the presence of God? I think all of those are possible. Um, God's presence can be revealed in those ways. I mean, you can feel tingly and have goosebumps and it be the presence of God, but you can also be a teenage guy sitting next to your girlfriend and feel that way. 
And that may not be the presence of God. Um, you know, when you cry, that might be evidence of the presence of God. But I've also noticed if I'm cutting onions or I stub my toe, I cry. That doesn't mean that I'm experiencing the presence of God. If I feel a warm sensation come over me, and that could be the presence of God, or, or I've never experienced this, but I've been told by some people, if you pee in the pool, you'll have that same kind of warm <laughs> sensation. Yes, that just happened at Orchard. I, I don't know from personal experience. I've just been told that. Which, which reminds me of a story. Is it okay if I tell a funny story and we still have fun in church? This is a true story. Some of you think I'm, I'm making this up. This is a true story. When I first went into ministry, um, I was a student pastor for many years. And one year we took our middle schoolers to camp. And it was summer camp. Um, it was in Kansas. It was really hot. And we had about 500 middle schoolers that were at this camp. And we started on Monday and it was day three. And it was Wednesday night of the camp, Wednesday evening. And one of the student pastors, we were getting ready to have the service, he was just kind of a real jokester. He said to the rest of us student pastors, he said, hey, watch this. I'm going to do something funny. I don't want to mess with these middle schoolers. And we're like, all right, you know, because it's fun to mess with middle schoolers. So he gets up in front of 500 middle schoolers and he says, hey, you guys having a great week at camp? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, how are you guys loving the pool? Because it was so hot. That's what everybody wanted to do. He goes, you enjoying the pool? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, would you like to continue to enjoy the swimming pool this week at summer camp? And they were all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, uh, I got to tell you something that's happened. The director of the camp came to me and said he did a chemical test on the pool today, and there was a very high level of urine in the pool. And if he doesn't figure out how to do the chemicals right and get it fixed, we're going to have to close the pool down. So the only way for us to do this quickly to keep the pool open is we got to take a quick survey and find out how many of you have peed in the pool this week. So he said, I, I know we've all done it at some point, so let's just get it over with. And so nobody be shy. I'm going to count to three, and you raise your hands. He goes, one, two, three. Every middle school kid in the place raises his hand. Every middle school guy. And the girls were like, no! <laughs> and they're just screaming, you know, in, in horror. I, I don't know why I told you that and what it has to do with the presence of God, but I like that story. So. But we're talking about the presence of God today. And I, and I want to encourage you with this. This is a reasonable doubt. You, we've all been there, I've been there at times in my life, wondering why am I not feeling the presence of God right now? Where, where is God? So to start out, I hope you're taking some notes this morning in the back of your newsletter. Let me give you this thought to encourage you. If you don't always feel God's presence, you're not alone. Amen? You're, you're not alone. If you don't always feel God's presence, you're not alone. This is a reasonable doubt and question that we all deal with at times in our life. Maybe you can relate to the psalmist that, that talked about this. In Psalm 88, verse 13 and 14, the psalmist said, Oh, Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. What's he saying? I want to seek you. I want to feel your presence. I want to find you, God. Oh, Lord, why do you reject me? Why am I not feeling your presence in my life? Where are you? Why do you turn your face from me? And maybe you can relate to the psalmist. Maybe something is going on even in your life right now that you can relate with this question. Where is the presence of God? Why am I not feeling and sensing God in my life? It's a reasonable doubt. And what I want to do in your notes, I want to give you five biblical possibilities when we're not experiencing the presence of God in our life, when we're not feeling the presence of God in our life, and we're asking the question, where is God? Here's the first possibility if you're taking notes. Maybe we're over-sensationalizing it. Maybe the reason that we're not feeling the presence of God is because we're over-sensationalizing it. We're looking for something spectacular. We're looking for something massive. We're looking for some supernatural miracle. We're, we're waiting for the voice of God to speak to us. And we all know what the voice of God sounds like, right? It's Morgan Freeman's voice saying, I am here. 
and, and we're looking for this big miraculous thing that we can attach to God. Now, God sometimes shows up in miraculous ways, but sometimes he reveals his presence in a different way. This is what was happening in the, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 6, verse 28. We're going to look at it in just a moment. Jesus was going around, and the crowds were beginning to follow Jesus, and he was doing some pretty miraculous miracles. This actually, in chapter 6, comes right after the story where Jesus miraculously fed the 5,000. And so the crowds are following Jesus going, man, we want to see something, um, another miracle. We want to see another supernatural act. As a matter of fact, we want to do what you're doing, Jesus. And look what happens as the crowd says to Jesus, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? They wanted to do the miraculous. And Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. Help me out, somebody. What is the next word? Believe in the one he has sent. They were looking for something miraculous, supernatural, something massive. And Jesus said, the most important thing that you can do is believe. Believe in me, the one that's been sent. But they didn't like that answer. They were over-sensationalizing it. They were making too much of it. And, and they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Come on, Jesus, do another trick for us. Do another miracle for us. Then we'll believe in you. Then we'll follow you. And it may be possible that happens in our life, that we're wanting to feel the presence of God. We're wanting to experience the presence of God, but we're over-sensationalizing it. Here's another possibility if we're not feeling the presence of God. Maybe Maybe we're distracted. Maybe we're not experiencing the presence of God because if we're honest, we're distracted by other things. There's a story about a lady that got distracted when she was in the presence of Jesus. It's a story of two ladies, Mary and Martha, and Jesus comes to their house, and they should have dropped everything to spend some time with Jesus. One of them did, and one of them didn't. One of them was distracted by other things. We see this in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, and it says this, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. So Jesus comes into this house to spend some time with Mary and Martha. Mary drops everything to sit at the feet of Jesus and spend time with Jesus and experience his presence in her life. But Martha was, somebody help me out, distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Martha made the mistake that sometimes we make and sometimes I have made, if I'm being honest. She got so busy working for God, she missed the presence of God. Let me say that again. She was so busy doing things for God, she missed the presence of God. We talk about this a lot as a ministerial team here on our staff. We're always doing the work of God and we're doing the ministry and all of these things. And sometimes we can get so busy working for God and doing the ministry that we miss out on the presence of God. We can get distracted by other things. And there's a lot of things today that can distract us. I think we, we would agree. Uh, starting with these little things right here. You know, I, I mean, I, I love my phone. I've got an iPhone. If you don't, you should. I'm sorry. I love my iPhone. And uh, I like social media. I think there's some great things you can do with social media. But they can also be a big distraction. And they can distract us from um, our relationship with Christ. They can distract us from our spouse. They can distract us from our kids. They can distract us from important uh, other conversations. I, I know some people, they can't go five minutes without updating their Facebook. Oh, hang on, I got to update. I just sneezed. I want everybody to know that, okay? Yeah, oh, hang on, I just wiped my nose because I sneezed. Don't be gross. Come on, y'all. I don't know what you're thinking. Oh, Instagram. I got I to gotta do it. Instagram. Psh, my, my, my breakfast, my lunch, my dinner. I don't care what you're having to eat. I really don't. Most of us don't. And we, and we get distracted. And we can just get distracted by life in, in general. 
I mean, we are so busy these days. If you're a parent and you have kids, man, kids are so busy. They have something every night of the week, it seems like. And they're not bad in and of themselves. But if we're not careful, we'll get so busy with life itself that we'll miss out on the presence of God. Maybe the reason we're not feeling God's presence is because, like Martha, we're distracted by some other things. By some other things. So why aren't we feeling the presence of God? Maybe we're over-sensationalizing it. We're looking for something too big. Maybe we're distracted. Here's a third possibility if you're taking notes. Maybe our heart has hardened. Maybe our heart has hardened toward the things of God. Maybe we were once experiencing the presence of God, but something happened in our life, and now our heart is hardened toward the things of God. Uh, Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 13. He's quoting the book of Isaiah, and it says this, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. In other words, God's trying to speak to us, but we're not, we're not listening, we're not hearing. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. Why? For the hearts of these people are hardened. Everybody say hardened. Our hearts are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes. Maybe something has happened in our life. We'd allow something to take place in our life that has been a hindrance to our relationship with God, to our connection with our relationship with God. Something has hardened our heart toward God. I hear stories all the time from people that were once very close to God and in their walk with God and they were feeling God's presence, but then they had an unanswered prayer. Or God didn't answer the way they wanted and their heart gets hardened and they stop experiencing the presence of God. I've heard stories where people get hurt by someone. They get hurt by a spouse or their kids or a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, another Christian, another pastor, a church. And they blame God and their heart becomes hardened toward the things of God and they walk away from God and they stop experiencing and feeling the presence of God. I know people that have struggled with health challenges and when those type of things come, God wants to use those things to draw us to him and strengthen us and encourage us and build our faith. But those same things Satan, our enemy, can use to draw us away from God and harden our hearts toward the things of God and then we stop experiencing his presence I've seen people experience loss in their life, loss of a loved one, a friend, a child, loss of a job, loss of a career, loss of a dream. And they blame God and their heart gets hardened and they stop experiencing and feeling the presence of God because they believe that God has been unfair to them. Maybe we're not feeling God's presence because maybe our heart has become hardened. Let me give you a fourth possibility. And then this is a tough one, but this is what the Bible tells us, that maybe we're not feeling God's presence because we built a wall of sin. Maybe we've built a wall of sin between us and our relationship with God. This is what Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2 says. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And I think the first word is, is important. What's the first word? Let's say it together, church. Listen. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, listen. Okay? Especially if they're like updating Facebook like we talked about, all right? Listen, God says, this is important. You want to connect with me? You want to spend time with me? You want to feel my presence? I I certainly want to connect with you. Then listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, to connect with you, to be there for you. Nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. God wants us to experience and feel his presence in our life. But here's the problem. It's your sins. It's my sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your, what church? Sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. The Bible is very clear that our sins can get in the way of our relationship with God and feeling and experiencing his presence in in our life. Now, Now, let me give this disclaimer. If you're a follower of Jesus, if there's been a point in time in your life where you've said yes to Jesus by faith, 
When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he forgave you of all of your sins, past, present, and future. Can we give God some praise for that? Amen. All of your sins are removed. Once you've said yes to Jesus, God no longer looks at you as a sinner. He looks at you as one of his children. He looks at you as righteous and forgiven and saved. But that doesn't mean that we don't sometimes still sin. And it also doesn't mean that that sin doesn't affect our relationship with God. I don't believe we lose our salvation. I don't believe God takes that away. I believe once we are a believer, we are a believer, we're his child. But when we sin after we've accepted Christ, it can affect our relationship and connection with God. If you're with me, church, say, I'm with you. Let me ask this question. Let's be honest. One of our values here at Orchard Church is we keep it real. By a show of hands, how many of you, since you have said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he's forgiven you of all your sins, that if you think hard enough, you've probably sinned once or twice since accepting Christ? Any, anybody? Okay, okay. Yeah, that's a lot of hands. Anybody didn't raise their hand that's a believer around you? Then they just sinned. Yes, I'm going to keep using that one. They just sinned, Right? And, and so it's, we don't sin and lose our salvation, but that sin is like a brick that goes to a wall that starts building up between us and our relationship with God. And maybe we're not feeling his presence because we've allowed some sin to creep back in our life, and it begins to put up a wall again in our relationship with, with God. Let me illustrate it like this. If you're married, okay, uh, husbands, let me, let me help you out. Uh, you have your wife, and, and you want to have a good relationship with her, and you want to have good fellowship with her, and all, all of those things. Uh, but if you lie to her and you're dishonest, you just put a brick up in your relationship that can begin to build a wall. If you don't honor her and you disrespect her, another brick goes up. Amen, ladies? If you don't do your chores like you're supposed to, three bricks go up. <laughs> and if you dare think of looking at another woman and have lust in your heart, wall, boom, immediately goes up. Right, ladies? She's still your wife, but you have built a wall. Same is true in our relationship with God. Once we've accepted Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he is our Savior. We are his kids. We have eternity promised as our home. But if we allow sin to creep into our life, it begins to build up a wall. And maybe that's why we're not feeling his presence like we once did or like we would like to and he would like to in our life. Let me give you a fifth possibility. Why are we not feeling the presence of God? Number, uh, number five, maybe you don't know God. And this might be the most important point for some of you to listen to. Maybe you're not feeling the presence of God in your life because you honestly don't know God. You say, well, I know God. Do you know God or do you know about God? You see, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. God doesn't want you just to know about him. He wants you to know him. It's not enough just to read about God and study about God and come to church and sing songs about God. God doesn't want you to just know about him. He wants you to know him in a personal, loving relationship. And maybe you're not feeling his presence because you know about him, but you don't really know him. Let me, let me give an example this way. Uh, most of us grew up uh, in school learning about Abraham Lincoln, one of the most famous presidents ever here in the United States. We learn all the things about his life and all the great things he did. We know about his tragic death and all of those things. We, we talk about Abraham Lincoln. I mean, I saw the movie Lincoln. So I know Abraham Lincoln. No, I don't really know him. None of us know Abraham Lincoln, but we know a lot about him. The same is true sometimes when it comes to God. 
People know about God. They can talk about God. They have facts about God. But do they really know him in a personal way? Jesus said something so powerful in John 17, 3. And if you don't hear anything else today, this is probably one of the most important things that you're going to hear if you want to experience the presence of God in, in your life. And especially if you want to have a home in heaven. Jesus said it this way. I love this verse. Jesus said, and this is the way to have eternal life. Man, that ought to get our attention, right? Man, I want to have eternal life. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I'm going to spend uh, eternity in heaven with God. This, This is a big deal. Jesus says, here's how you know. This is the way to have eternal life. If you go to church a lot, is that what it says? If you're if you're a really good person, if if you if you keep the sacraments, no. If you get baptized, okay, you guys can say no, you can participate in this message, all right? No, that's not what he says. This is the way to have eternal life. To know about you. Is that what it says? No, it says to know you. That's the difference. Not just to know about you, but to know you, the only true God. Man, some of you need to highlight that. You need to underline that in your Bible. It's not just knowing about God. It's knowing God. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. God doesn't want you just to know about him. He wants you to know him. We say it this way here all the time at Orchard Church. This is the difference between religion and biblical Christianity. Religion, people know a lot about God. In biblical Christianity, we know God in a personal way. He is in our life. I will tell you this. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but we say this all the time. Everyone is welcome here at Orchard. Um, You can belong here before you believe here. We will meet you right where you are in your spiritual journey, and we will walk with you. But let me tell you this. If you're looking for religion, and you're looking for religious people, religious church, religious pastor, I'm sorry, you've come to the wrong church. Because here at Orchard Church, we do not offer religion to anyone. We offer a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is a big, big difference. Because God doesn't want us just to know about him. He wants us to know him, to know him. Maybe we're not feeling his presence because we don't really know God. The most important question I could ask you this morning is this. Do you know God? And does he know you? Do you know God? With the rest of our time, I want to give you two presence promises to to encourage you and build your faith. Because here's the thing. We started by asking the question, why don't I feel God's presence? Where is God? And the key word there is, why don't I feel God's presence? And what you're going to read in the Bible over and over is this, that Christianity is not always about what we feel. It's about our faith. Amen? There's a difference. It's not about feeling. We may not always feel God, but it doesn't mean he's not there. We don't base what we believe on feelings. We base it on faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So because it is based on faith and not feeling, let me give you two presence promises to build your faith. And even when you don't feel God, you can claim these promises of God. You can stand on these. They can bring great encouragement and strength to your faith. The first one is this. You will find God when you seek God. That is a promise from the scriptures. You say, where do we get that? Let me give you one example. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 and 14. God says this, and you will seek me, and what, church? Find me when you search for me with some of your heart, all of your heart. It's not like a hobby. It's not a side gig. It's not something we dabble in. If we seek God with all of our heart, we will find God. This is God speaking here through Jeremiah. And God says, I will be found by you, says the Lord. Listen, we can base our faith on that, church. 
We can claim that. We can embrace that. That even when I don't feel God's presence, I know that he's still there. I know that when I seek him with all of my heart, I will find him. Aren't you thankful that our heavenly father doesn't play hide and go seek with his kids? Now, that was a fun game when I was a kid and I played it with my kids. But our heavenly father doesn't, he's not like, okay, I'm going to see if they can find me. Warmer. Hotter, hot, oh, colder, colder. No, no. Listen, God, here's the deal. He's been looking for you and seeking you a lot longer than you've been seeking him. He wants to connect with you. He wants to reveal himself for you. And the good news, and we can build our faith on this, is that if we seek God, we can find God. Now, you may be asking a question. It's an honest question. Well, how do I seek God? I'm not sure I know how to seek God. Well, we seek God the way we seek other relationships in our life. If you want to have a good relationship with someone, then you have to spend time with them. You have to communicate with them. How do we communicate with God? How do we spend time with God? Well, first, we talk to God. How do we talk to God? Through our prayers. Well, I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. Do you know how to talk? Then you know how to pray. God's not looking for these flowery, this is thou, you know, whatever prayers. He's just looking for us to be real. Just talk to him as a father. Talk to him as a friend. I talk to God all the time when I'm driving in my car, you know, when I'm in the shower, when I'm working out, when I'm laying in bed. You just talk to God. But make sure it's not a one-sided conversation. God also wants to talk to you. This is how we seek God. We talk to him through prayer. He talks to us. You say, well, how does he talk to us? Right here. It's through his word. This is why this is called the word of God. This is his love letter to us. He's got a lot of things that he wants to say to us. This is his, uh, our owner's manual for life. This is our instruction manual for life. If we open it and read it, God will speak to us. You say, how do I seek God? Because if we seek God, we will find God when we seek God with all of our heart. We pray and we talk to God. We open God's word. He talks to us. You, one of the ways we seek God, you're doing today. And I commend you, you're at church. God wants his people to be together and to come in and worship him and praise him him and learn more about him as we come to church we open God's word we learn more about our God that's how we seek him we get to know him better he gets to, to know us as we connect in that relationship when we worship and we sing praises you know what the Bible says over and over that God shows up where people are praising and worshiping him that he, he reveals his presence and it doesn't have to stop on Sunday it doesn't have to stop on the weekend at, at, a, at a corporate service this is why we encourage you guys to get in small group as you gather in the week, God is there. You can learn more about him. You can connect to him. Remember what Jesus said? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. He's there on Sunday. He's there at small group. He's there when you disciple. These are all ways that we seek God. Why is that important? Because you will find God when you seek God with all of your heart. That is some amazing news. And, and Yeah, we can celebrate that. Amen? And I... Uh, I really want you guys to get this this morning, and, and, and I'll do anything to, to illustrate something so that you get it and you don't forget it, that when you seek God, you will find God. And, and, and what I wanted to do, I, I didn't have one, but I wish I would have had like an old school radio, and I would have given this illustration. Did, did anybody by any chance like bring in an old school radio today, like a book? Oh, oh, awesome. Our Spanish pastor, Marcial. Hey, give it up for it, Marcial. Wow. That is awesome. What a, what a coincidence. It's almost like we planned it. That's, that's awesome. So, okay, for those of you younger people that are like 20 and below, 
this is a radio, okay? Uh, this is an old school boombox, man. Uh, and back in the day, we, man, we take, this was our iPod and iPhone, man. We put it on our shoulders, we, we strap it on our bike, and, and this is how we got our music. And this one has a cassette player in it. Now, let me help you young people with a cassette. This was the coolest invention. We could put like eight to 10 songs on a single cassette, and take it with us. It was, it was amazing. And this also has a built-in radio. And, okay, this is an antenna, children. Okay, this, uh, kids, teenagers, this is an antenna. Now, the ant- antenna is important because whether you feel it, sense it, or see it, in this room all around us are radio waves that are being transmitted and being broadcast. Radio waves are everywhere. But if you want to tap into them, you must seek them. And the way you seek them is you got to put up the antenna. And when you put up the antenna, you can tap into the radio waves. Are you all with me? But you got to have your antenna up. Now, I'm telling you, man, I played some good music back in the day with with a boombox like that. How many of you guys uh, like me? I I grew up in the late 70s and 80s. How many of you all like 80s music? You like 80s music? All right. Okay, those of you who like 80s music, let's see if we can connect with the airwaves that are here. And let's see if we can seek some good 80s music. I'm going to see if I can dial something in here. See, See what we got. Oh, yeah. Come on. Who likes Van Halen? Yeah, all right. Hey, let's give it up. All right. Now, I know some of y'all, 80s was a little old for you. So how many of y'all, like, really loved your music in the 90s? Got any? Not, not, okay. Four or five of you? Okay, great. All right. Let, let me see if we can get any good 90s. We got to have our antenna up. All right, got to get it in the right place. And let's see if we can seek some 90s airwaves that we can connect to and experience here at Orchard Church this morning. Let's see what we got here. Oh, yeah. Crank it up. Can't touch this. Come on. Break it down. Okay, I, I, sorry, we, we got to put that away. I don't know. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this. I got to catch my breath. I got to do that three times today. Now, why did I do that? Not because I want you to remember MC Hammer or Van Halen today. What would y'all learn at Orchard today? They played Van Halen and MC Hammer. Yeah. No. You got to have your antenna up, okay? You say, okay, where are you going with this? Listen, the Bible says if we want to find God, we seek God. If we seek God with all of our heart, we find God. You got to have your spiritual antenna up. He wants to connect with you. He is here, but you got to have your spiritual antenna up. You got to be in the word. You got to be in prayer. You got to be in church. You got to be worshiping. But when you do these things, you're putting your spiritual antenna up and you can connect with God and you can experience God and you can experience and feel his presence in your life when you have your spiritual antenna up. Maybe you just need to get your spiritual antennas up a little more often. Somebody in here today, you need to experience God's grace. Put your spiritual antenna up. Somebody in here today needs to experience experience God's mercy. You need to have your spiritual antenna up. Somebody needs his love. Somebody needs his forgiveness. Somebody needs his salvation. Listen, Orchard Church, when you put your spiritual antenna up, when you seek God, you can find God. You will find God. We have that promise in God's word that when you seek God, you will find God. Here's the second presence promise I want to encourage you with. You can do life with God's presence. You can do life 
with God's presence. This is not just something that, you know, is a church thing. Jesus spent the majority of his time, three and a half years, with his 12 disciples. Day and night, man, they, they, they experienced his presence. And then one day Jesus said, hey, I'm going to be leaving soon. And the disciples were freaking out. No, Jesus, don't leave us. Don't go away. What are we going to do without you? And Jesus gave this incredible presence promise to the disciples, but it also applies to us today. You're in John chapter 6. Go with me to the right to John uh, chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 16. As we begin to wrap this up, listen to what Jesus said. What an encouragement that you can do life with God's presence. Jesus said this to his disciples when he was about ready to leave. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Everybody say advocate. This word advocate can also be translated comforter, encourager, a counselor, who will never leave you. Never. And they're like, Jesus, you're leaving. Yeah, but I'm going to give you the advocate, and he's never going to leave you. Well, who is this advocate? He is the Holy Spirit, the one that God places inside of us when we say yes to Jesus. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Watch this, church. But you what? Know him. There it is again. Not just about him. You know him because he lives with you now and later he will be where, church? In you. Not just with you, he will be in you. That promise that Jesus gave is being fulfilled. Every time someone says yes to Jesus here at Orchard Church or anywhere in the world, that promise is fulfilled, that God puts his spirit in that person. You see, God is not only with us, he is in us as Christ followers. And he's in us wherever we go and whatever's going on in our life. He is with us and he's in us. We can do life with God's presence. God is with you and God is in you. When you wake up and you're facing a difficult day and a challenge, God is with you and God is in you. When you see that sunrise over those beautiful Rocky Mountains, remember, God is with you and God is in you. When you're driving to work, God is in you and God is with you. When your boss is a jerk, God is with you and God is in you. Amen? Amen. When you got a big project, Marcy all said amen down here on that one. Come on, man. Meet me in my office afterward. No. When, when you got a project that's due at work or you're a student and you got a paper or a big test, man, God, and you're a Jesus follower, God is with you. God is in you. When your marriage is struggling and hanging on by a thread and you don't know if it's going to make it, this is some fantastic news. God is with you. God is in you. When your kids are drifting away and going astray, remember God is with you and God is in you. When you're facing financial challenges and health challenges, God is with you. God is, he is in you. Listen, church, we can do life with God's presence when we know him. When we know him, he is with you, he is in you. And when we seek him, we will find him. The only question today is, do you know him? Are you seeking him? Because he's certainly been seeking you. He's definitely seeking you. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for the promise of your word that when we seek you, we will find you when we seek with all of our heart. Thank you for the promise that we can do life with your presence. And even when we don't feel your presence, we claim the promises of your word in faith that you are with us and you are in us as Christ followers. So we continue in attitude of prayer right now for those of you that are believers in Jesus Christ you've said yes to Jesus you know that he his spirit is in you 
but maybe you haven't been feeling his presence as strongly in your life as maybe as you once did or as much as you would like to. And my question is this, are you seeking him? Are you seeking him with all your heart? Is your spiritual antenna up? Or if you're honest, would you say, I could do a better job? There's some things I could do. There's some steps I could take to make sure that I am more intently seeking God with all of my heart. If that's true, could I just pray for you? Would you slip up your hands all across the auditorium in honesty? God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. And mine's up with you, church. Mine's up with you. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, I uh, first ask God that you would forgive me that you would forgive our church, your people, for the times that we've tried to go through life without you, that we've been too busy and we've been distracted or we've allowed our hearts to get hardened or we're over-sensationalizing it or we've allowed sin to creep in. Lord, forgive us for those things. And Lord, I pray that we would do our part to seek you more with all of our heart. Reveal those areas of our life where we are not seeking you the way that we should. May we take ownership for this. We know that you are seeking us. We know you want to connect with us. May we have our spiritual antennas up because we claim that when we seek you with all of our heart, we will find you. We will experience your presence in a real and powerful and relevant way in our lives. As we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, if you're here today and you say, man, I don't, I don't know what it's like to feel the presence of God. I, I hear other people talk about it but I'm not sure it's ever happened in my life. Maybe it's because you don't really know God. Maybe you know about him, but do you really know him? And here's the good news. You can today, right now. You can make a decision of faith right now in this place, in your seat, from your heart to God's, to invite Jesus Christ into your life, to put his spirit in your life, to be with you and in you. All you have to do is what the Bible says. The Bible says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. One of the ways we call on the Lord is through prayer. It's a prayer of faith. And in just a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud. And I'm gonna invite some of you to pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's. It's not a magic prayer. It's not magic words that we say. But if it comes from a heart of faith and belief, the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven. You'll have eternal life. You'll have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. You won't just know about him. You will know him. And he will know you as one of his children. If that's you today, and you're, you say, man, I, I, I think I've done that. I'm pretty sure, but I'm not positive. Man, why not take care of that? Why would, why would we gamble on something like that? Why, why, would, why would we take a chance on eternity? So if that's you today, if you know that you need to make sure that you know God, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer from your heart to God's in faith right now. And it goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I want to know you. I want your spirit in my life. I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, be my Savior. Yes, forgive me of all my sins. I want to know you, and I want to experience your presence in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and making the ultimate sacrifice for me. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I, would, I wouldn't want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith, that's the most important decision you could ever make. And I would love, love the privilege to pray for you. 
that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus, that you would begin to experience his presence in a real way in your life. So if you prayed that prayer just now without anyone else looking around, um, can I pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand all across this auditorium? God bless you, ma'am, right down here. God bless you. Yes, God bless you over here. God bless you back here, a couple of people. God bless you. Several people back in this section on my left. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you back there. Yes. Amen. God bless you. Yes. Thank you. God bless you over here. Amen. Amen. Several hands. Let me, let me pray for you. Church, let's pray for these new believers. Heavenly Father, uh, we just celebrate today and rejoice in those crossing the line of faith, putting their faith and trust in you. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we love them and accept them the way that you have. Um, we thank you for putting their, your spirit in them today. May they leave here knowing they've said yes to you, knowing now that they don't just know about you, but they know you. And may we all embrace that today. May we remember that when we seek you, that we find you, that we can do life with your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the truth that you are with us and you are in us. And we thank you for your amazing love and sacrifice. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's celebrate once again those that said yes uh, to Jesus today. Amen. Amen. If you just raised your hand and you said just yes to Jesus, that is the most important decision you could ever make. We take that very seriously here at Orchard Church. Uh, we put together a little book we'd like to put in your hands free that will help you understand the decision you made today to say yes to Jesus and how to get to know Jesus better and your next steps and your walk with him. So please, before you leave today, stop by the I Said Yes booth. Pick this book up. Also, you have an opportunity to turn on one of those lights on the cross representing your new life in Christ. Let's celebrate again. Big time Orchard Church. Those saying yes to Jesus today, welcome them into the family of God. God bless you guys. Amen. <clears throat> Thanks, Pastor Doug. Hey, one of our values here at Orchard Church is we reach people nobody else is reaching by doing things nobody else is doing, including MC Hammer and Van Halen on stage. Will you please join me in praying that Pastor Doug would learn to come out of his shell just a little bit? So we can continue to do that. No, hey, thanks for coming out this weekend. We're so glad you're here. Um, let me be the first, the first to invite you back next weekend as we conclude our Reasonable Doubt series by looking at the question, can God use me? We're going to see what the Bible has to say about that next weekend. But we know that this weekend, just like every weekend here at Orchard Church, is somebody's very first weekend. So there are people in the house who made the decision to come through those doors for the very first time, and we are so glad you did. We are thrilled that you're here today. I hope that we've been good hosts for your visit today. And I hope that we can continue to be good hosts even after you leave the building today. So if you filled out that connection card in your newsletter, first-time guests, please drop that in the offering bucket as it goes by at the end of service. Let that be your contribution today, and we will give you a free gift, send you a free gift in the mail just as a thank you for worshiping with us today. But now we've reached that point in our service where we're going to stand, so please stand with me. We're going to close in one more song of praise to our God because he is worthy, and we're going to worship through our giving as well. And if you said yes to Jesus today, now is the perfect time to go out to that I Said Yes booth in the lobby, get that I Said Yes book, and beat the crowd to take your next steps with your walk with Jesus. And the rest of us are going to sing, and we're going to give, and we're going to do it with excellence because God is worthy, and every time we give, every time we contribute, we help people find and follow Jesus. Thank you so much, Orchard Church. Please make sure you drop that survey in the offering bucket as well. Have a great day.